0: Welcome to Wisco Dice! yo, folks, I am your host, the Conzi with the Most, and today I am joined by...
1: Hey, I'm Suzanne!
0: And this is episode 118 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming
1: Podcast!
0: And today is January 2nd, 2024. On today's episode, we'll have our exclusive interview with Stephen Kerr, Designer of the newest game in the Thunderworks Games board game library of games that you can get uh, coming to Kickstarter here in just a couple of weeks, I think, and that is Metro Runner.
1: Yes, I am so excited to see Metro Runner and get to talk to Steven about it. It's coming to Kickstarter January 16th, so that is going to be so soon after this show airs this game just looks awesome
0: yeah this game does look brilliant and you've probably been hearing justin and i talk about it now for almost a year since we got to see a very uh a, you know at least a prototype copy that was at least a year ago now when we talked to keith over at thunderworks and uh, and when we interviewed him regarding goblin vaults so, yeah, we're super excited to see Metro Runner. I, I'm really excited to play it and even more, find out more details now that it, we're, it's closing in on the final copy and getting ready to, to go to Kickstarter to fund a production run. So, with that, yes. why don't we go ahead and hop over to our interview? We'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Steven and talk all about Metro Runner and get to know Steven a little bit better. Hey folks, this is the Conzi of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint, and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick-and-mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. And we're back. We're joined by Stephen. Uh, Stephen, pleasure to meet you. It's so awesome to have you on the show. And if you wouldn't mind just going ahead and, and kicking things off and letting the our audience get to know you a little bit, who you are, what, what your role is with Thunderworks Games, and what you've been working on recently with Thunderworks. That would be, I think, a great way to kick things off.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Great to come on and talk about games. So yeah, I work with Thunderworks Games. I'm our primary in-house design uh, graphic designer at this point. I work on basically every project that we have coming up, in some capacity at least. And for the most part, I'm the one. Uh, if I'm you know if I'm doing if I'm involved in the beginning, I'm usually doing most of the graphic design, if not all the graphic design, through completing the graphic design process and prepping files for print. Uh, getting them over to the manufacturers and, you know, adjusting and making tweaks as needed. And yeah, and I'm also a game designer and my first game is Metro Runner and Keith has signed it to be released through Thunderworks. And actually the project we are working on right now, trying to get wrapped up uh, in time for its Kickstarter date.
0: Yeah, I think we saw the picture of you boxing up prototype copies shared on the Thunderworks social media just uh yeah. recently so yeah it was cool to to see to get to see you before we actually got to talk to you see you in the picture it was awesome
2: right yeah that was really exciting putting together those prototypes we have a lot of most of the game is put together from components that were produced by the actual manufacturer in china while we waited on some of the things like cards and stuff that we could print locally as we were still making tweaks so it's kind of a mishmash right now those prototypes but uh, they're pretty close to what the final
0: version will be that's pretty exciting yeah
1: yeah that that definitely is so this metro runner is the first game you've designed but you've been helping with artwork and graphic design for several games for a while with thunderworks you mentioned what inspired you to create metro runner
2: so I've been working on this game for such a long time that it's kind of hard to even remember back to the early days. I remember it just kind of being when I was first starting to dabble in game design. It's one of those things of like, what are what are a few mechanisms and, and how can I throw them together in a different way? And so I just happened to have recently played a couple games with different mechanisms. There's a game called Santiago de Cuba, which is has this kind of rondelle to it where that game you're actually all the players are sharing a car and moving around this around the board in a circular pattern in my game everyone is you know controlling their own character but that circular rondelle system kind of was inspired by that game and then kane clinko had the game covert which has this kind of puzzly code breaking system the original puzzle in metro runner was actually even closer to it's it's changed since then And then the final piece was basically like a Lords of Waterdeep sort of cards that you have to collect resources to complete. And and it was kind of those three games, I guess, kind of inspired me and found a way to mash them together. And as soon as I had that idea for the puzzle, I immediately just thought cyberpunk hacking and uh, kind of went from
1: there. That's really cool.
0: That's a a pretty wide variety of different games that you've drawn. Uh, it sounds like you've drawn inspiration from. Those are certainly most likely games that you enjoy playing, right? You, while you're picking inspiration from them, but are there other games that you like or that, you're, that you really enjoy or you're, you've had a good time playing that you that you know just from a, a gamer type perspective?
2: For sure, I mean, I I don't get to play games as much as I I would like to, but I do play as much as I can. Big, I guess, like, my main focus would be, like, medium-weight Euro-type games. Um, I'm a big fan of the Garfield games, for example. Architects of the West Kingdom is one of my favorites. And though it sounds like sucking up, Roleplayer is definitely one of my favorites also. Um, (laughs) And, like...
0: That game's so good.
2: Yeah, and... you It is. I enjoy like Stefan Feld's games, um, especially Oracle of Delphi, which I think is kind of an underrated one. And you know, and I'm 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 willing to play any game really. I think when you when you've been in this hobby for a while, you run into some people who get kind of snobby about games and want to play their specific type of game. And I'm I'm sure I'm that to some degree, but I also think that I'm pretty open minded and will enjoy just about any type of game. So
0: yeah, we were just talking about that on I think our last episode of the podcast. One of our co-hosts is very, very much mid-heavy mid Euro-type gamer. And uh, then we we uh, broke out, and he played, what was it, Thunder Road Vendetta? He was like, yeah, it's my surprise of the year. I can't believe I had so much fun with it. So it's, all, <laughs> it, it, it's real easy to get focused on a certain type of game or a certain genre in this industry, and then all of a sudden be like... Oh yeah, I forgot how much fun it is to just chuck some dice and watch chaos or whatever at the table too. So there's there's so many options. To, you know, try to stay open-minded with it, but yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, you'll find me at conventions all the time running Architects of the West Kingdom and oh cool, <laughs> role player. I, yeah, that was a I, once I got introduced to role player myself. Like that was every every kicks thunderworks kickstarter that came out after that oh he's got a new promo card i don't care if the game's good or not i'm back it because i need that promo card for my copy <laughs> of role player
1: <laughs> the, the yep. most expensive promo cards ever
0: <laughs> ended up getting a whole lot of good games out of it but yeah.
1: yeah that's true
2: yeah at least we didn't disappoint on the on the other side of it
1: <laughs> no yeah i don't think we've been disappointed yet on a thunderworks game you know, enough to be like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we play all of them multiple times a year, so. Well, that's great. Yeah, so you said you've been working on Metro Runner, like, for, a, it sounds like a really long time. So, from what, what at what point do you start transitioning from having it, you know, this concept in your head and some scratches on paper to, like, being able, like, and then you, pre- then you, presented it to Thunderworks somehow and now you've been working with Thunderworks. How long have you been like, I guess are each of these stages to getting this game to market?
2: So I want to say that I started working on this game way back in 2016 and I didn't even actually live in Madison at the time. I was living in Los Angeles and that's where I met my wife. And then we had a big year where we got married and moved and she finished grad school and got a got a job at UW Madison, like all within the span of a couple months. So it was very busy. And then that kind of led me to I already had this kind of this game started and kind of in my back pocket. And when I, you know, I moved to Madison and I tried was trying to kind of figure out what's what are next steps for the board game scene here? And I knew Keith was here. I knew Thunderworks was here because I had looked into and actually bought role player before moving out here. And so then I like messaged him or emailed him. He mentioned two things. He mentioned Game Hole um, and he mentioned a local design meetup that uh, meets on Madison's West Side at the I'm board board game store in Middleton. And so, you know, I I went and bumped into him at GameHoleCon, said hi, said thanks for emailing me back. That was really nice. And then he re- reminded me, oh, yeah, you should you know go to this meetup. And so I started going to the meetup. And that's kind of where Metro Runner actually started to become something. But way back in those early days, it was actually a two-player game only. And it had it didn't have points. It just had like three different systems in it. And the winner of the game was the one who did best in two out of the three systems, basically. And one of the first things I remember was when Keith played, it was like, why does it have to be a two-player game? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. It's just the idea I had. And so by the way, I was looking into ways to make it more players. And that was one of the first steps t- towards it becoming what it is today. And then it just kind of became a regular fixture at the Thursday meetup. And we played it off and on for years, making slow improvements. And I think it was, I looked back at my emails actually, and it was February of January or February of, of 2020, Keith signed it, then COVID happened. <laughs> and so that took a little bit of a hit on, uh, on my productivity for sure. Also during the, this, you know, six, seven year journey. Two kids, so we, we, you know, life has been busy, and so it's hasn't, I don't think it's been seven years solid of work on the game, it's been seven years on and off. So,
1: (laughs) sure, it sounds like it's a lot of work to get a decent game developed and Mm -hmm. you know, ready to get to a point where you can have a publisher look at it and get it to market. So, congratulations on sticking it through and going through all of that work! That's a big deal.
2: I got kind of lucky in that regard because I never had to really pitch this game, right? Like, Keith was just kind of their background or playing it through its whole process. I never had to, you know, put together a sell sheet, schedule meetings at conventions. It kind of worked out that, with his help, it got to a point where he was like, you know, I think I want to sign this game. So, very lucky in that regard.
0: <laughs> Always helps to have a connection, right? Mm -hmm. so this is this game cyberpunk like i said i saw the prototype prototype almost a year ago now or a very early prototype sitting at thunderworks i were immediately floored by the, the bright colors and the look of the game and it looked extremely interesting i couldn't help when i was talking to keith then go wow that is a jump. That is something new and wildly different thematically and visually than anything else in your library. (laughs) I think you got a hit here. How does it feel or what can you tell us about diving into this new genre and and kind of helping kick it off and lead it with Thunderworks uh, and being something that's so much different than... Anything else that would be in, like, say, the un- role player universe or the world, you know, the the, the whole world of Ulos, which is this kind right. of established Keith's kind of personal universe, right, that he's created, and then and now other people have added to with their games, right? It's it's just something like, and I and I hear there's a a really cool background or or theme that's starting to develop behind it, or story that's starting to develop behind this game too, that I would love to hear more about.
2: So I don't think that you know, this game being com- so different from the Ulos stuff was ever a concern to Keith. He was, I think, he was always kind of excited about the theme, and especially once we found our artists and they started delivering such cool art, like we we're like, okay, yeah, this is cool. This is its own thing. It's very unique. And I think for every for all the people who love the the Thunderworks Ulos games there's also people who are like you know what I'm just not interested in fantasy so call me when you got something different and so i mean can't please everybody all the time but he's definitely plenty interested in uh, in trying new things he's not he's not shying away from that for sure
0: so so i think the second part of this question is kind of where there sounds like there's already kind of a theme and a universe that's also coming around uh, for this game that's already way it was kind of relayed to me was it's kind of already worked into this game but it sounds like it's it's got kind of this whole unique background that might that hopefully uh, we'll get to see fleshed out not only this game but in fingers crossed future titles as well
2: yeah that'd be awesome so yeah one of the first things we did once we kind of started that after keith signed the game and we started kind of developing it further he, he actually hired this guy, Seth Johnson, who's out on the, I think he's based out of the West Coast. He is a writer and I believe he, you know, does a lot of RPGs and, and is just kind of a, a really solid world builder. He worked with Keith on some, some other stuff. He's actually got a few contributions in uh, Player Adventures, for example. So we just kind of pitched it to him and, you know, I had a minimal amount of kind of world building done at that point kind of this basic idea of there are these corporations who are kind of moving in on the last uh, previously up to this point free city in this cyberpunk future and had this kind of cynical idea that instead of trying to be heroes and fight them off you're going to instead sort of accept the inevitable and just try and make the biggest profit for yourself <laughs> and so kind of a, that it just felt thematically more right to me for a cyberpunk game and uh, then trying to uh, be some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of hero. So we kind of sent that basic stuff over to him. He spent ton of he did he, he delivered a ton of brilliant work, kind of fleshing out the world uh, to to an extent that it's a lot of stuff that will probably never make it into any game or any you know even see the light La of day really. But he also helped come up with all the characters that are now playable characters in the game. Every every at the beginning of each game you get uh you know a unique character who has a little backstory on the back of the character card and they're a lot of fun i think that's where a lot of the theme will come through but he also just kind of developed out the whole city and the backstory like why why is this happening now what's you know and uh and it's it's a lot of interesting stuff and and we i mean you know we didn't know how much of it we were gonna need we didn't end up using a ton of it because it's not a story driven game but when there's upp- when there was opportunities like naming the hack cards, we kind of went back into all this material that he delivered and found cool thematic names of corporations or locations to use as targets of your hacks, for example. So, so yeah, there was definitely a lot there, a lot more than we could even really include. So,
0: <laughs> there's always any kind of great idea. Like, yeah, I was just hearing earlier today, you know, Star Wars, like the mention of Sith wasn't even a thing in the original trilogy. Yes, it was in like the backstory and some early early portions of scripts, but it was never uttered on screen until you get the prequels, which is kind of an amazing concept considering how key that is to main characters right. that are in that, right? So so I I gotta imagine having this wealth of theme to pull from, even if not all of it makes it to Us as players of the game, it gave such an inspirational ideas for the creativity that to go into it, like you described, the different hacks for cards and targets and things like that. That it sounds like that's gonna be that's gonna make it more of an immersive experience for all of us that are getting an opportunity to play it.
2: I hope so. I think uh, I think I think that was was helpful. Gives you something to kind of fall back on if you don't know. We don't, you know, if we had no idea, then it would just feel like we're all winging, we're winging it as we go. But we do have kind of a spine of story that we can kind of fall back on, so it did help for sure.
1: Yes, that's that's one thing I notice a lot of times when I'm playing a game that I feel the theme coming through more is when there is that backstory and that connection that carries it through everything, and it adds enjoyment and it adds to the excitement to play the game. And a lot of times, and also when I'm playing the game, I get into that character that I am if I have read their backstory and whatever I'm supposed to be doing, that's what I'm going to focus on. And then I don't really care if I lose right, as much. Right. <laughs> so you kind of talked about how this theme has developed and grown. And you've talked about how the, you know, throughout some of your testing, you change different things. The You have a unique worker placement mechanic placement mechanic and central puzzle on this game. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so the main mechanic of mechanics of this game is that on your turn, you will move and then take an action, essentially. So you, it's essentially a big rondelle. It's, um, I wanna say about, I remember now 20 spaces or so, and it's actually different for the different sides of the board for player count, but you'll, you can move one or two spaces in the clockwise direction around the board, essentially you are on the metro. You're on the, the, we call it the ring metro in Mirror City, uh, which is the name of the city where the game takes place. And so you have to be moving in that direction because that's the direction the train's going. And you can move one or two spaces for free. You can spend resources to go further. Then you take actions. Actions include things like gathering resources, the hacking mini puzzle, getting new job cards to try and complete, and completing those job cards is another action. So, uh, and there's five districts in the game, kind of color coded, and you have to move your character to the correct district in order to complete to complete a job that matches that district. So basically, a lot of kind of interconnected mechanics that sort of overlap each other in hopefully fun ways.
1: That does sound really neat. and I'll be I have not seen the prototype yet. I was not able to go with uh Conzie and justin when they were at the thunderworks facility last time so i'm excited to see this when it comes out
0: i was gonna say for you and the audience you can go to whiskgoodice.com and the show notes for this episode to catch a number of pictures of uh, the game as well as links to where you can find out even more information about how to back or support this game and check it out in even more detail. We'll have all of that there. So for everyone that we're talking about this amazing game that's coming out from Thunderworks, Metro Runner, you'll have those opportunities as well.
1: So along with all of this neat stuff, I heard a rumor that there's also a soundtrack for the game.
2: Yeah, yeah. In as much as basically, I created a Spotify playlist of songs that I like that felt appropriate and kind of inspired by this game and this theme, and kind of been spending a lot, uh, way too much of my time kind of curating it and tweaking it over the past year or two. <laughs> and uh, so it's a playlist of songs that I really enjoy. And I think that we will probably, Jess, our marketing person, will probably include it as part of a. Uh, update during the kickstarter or something along those lines so that you know maybe people other people can sh- can uh, can enjoy it as well and, and you could run it as the as the background soundtrack while you're playing
1: that's that's really cool
0: <laughs> yeah no, i mean mood music i think for me is like something that is very important and whether we're playing a spooky game and I want you know, maybe a horror a series of horror movie soundtracks, or I'm playing fantasy games, so I want to get Lord of the Rings playing in the background. It's, it, adds, it adds an extra element of immersion into the game. So having a soundtrack and having, a, having that audio experience, it also touches on, the, on another sense and really helps get people excited and into the gaming experience that's happening at the table.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should also shout out that I th- I got the idea from a Kickstarter campaign that ran a year or two ago called Skate Summer. So I just want to give credit to those guys since uh, I stole their idea.
1: <laughs> well, only the best ideas are the ones worth stealing, so. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, amazing theme. We've got some rock-solid mechanics. We've got a soundtrack, even. What what else makes you really excited about metro runner
2: oh geez um i mean it's my first published game so obviously i think i'm just excited to have as a creative person to have something out in the world that people can play and enjoy and just have some you know have proof that something i created is good enough to exist Uh, (laughs) so that's obviously really exciting i think hopefully you know it leads to more design work and and continuing to work in this industry I've I'm very lucky to have kind of turned my hobby into my job so I'd like to you know keep that up in various ways including the graphic design as well obviously and, and yeah so I think I'm just I'm just excited to that to get this game out there finally
1: yeah that is that is a very exciting thing to have happen is to be out there and forever and ever, people will know that you created a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there anything else that we should know about Metro Runner that we haven't covered yet?
2: You know, I don't think I've talked extensively yet really about the, the puzzle, the hacking minigame, which is kind of, I think, the most unique aspect of the game. And so essentially in the middle of the game board, there's a set of nine tiles in a little three by three grid, and there's two cards above it or two stacks of cards above it that are the network cards. And on your turn, if you take the hack the network action, you attempt to basically solve one of those two cards by manipulating the tiles in the middle of the board. So each card has a representation of those of those nine of the three by three grid as well as a couple of nodes coming in and out of the grid in certain spots. And then those tiles have pathways on them in different orientations and configurations. Some of them are just straight lines. Some of them are little curves or, you know, T-shapes, what have you. There's also a skull, which is basically a impassable tile. And so you have a couple of moves to try and get those tiles lined up in such a way that you've created a path from a node to another in order to complete that hack and gain the rewards on the card. There's also another element of the game are these tracks, your influence and your notoriety. And as you advance your influence, you're going to be able to unlock improvements to your hacking will give you potential for even greater rewards. And so, yeah, it's just another example of how the different mechanics are kind of folding in on each other in in a fun way. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that puzzle is is really probably the game's most unique mechanic, and uh, one of the things I'm most excited about.
0: Yeah, that was definitely something that immediately grabbed our attention as well when we, took, when we got uh, introduced to it initially. So, yeah, I think that's going to be really unique. I haven't seen another game that really has something quite like that. And even more importantly, it's something that's even just a little more tactile for players as they play it to interact with the game and and place things and maneuver things. And that's always a a neat and fun mechanic whenever you're talking about a board game.
2: And something that's kind of interesting that happens, it's happened in our playtests and even one of the earlier reviewers that has gotten a copy mentioned this happening, which is this is a a competitive game. This is not a co-op game, but while you're doing those puzzles, it's kind of hard to not just look at it while someone else is doing it and maybe even help them out and say, you know what? See how you can do it in uh, in two moves instead of three, you know. And so it becomes almost this little cooperative element, even though there's no benefit to you helping your neighbor.
0: <laughs> well, maybe maybe not it's so cooperative in in all game groups. Uh, I've got a, some fairly competitive gamer friends, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get hopefully people will take some some mercy on me and and help me out when I'm uh, trying to solve puzzles. On this one,
1: oh, we'll all help you and then we will turn around and squash you. No,
0: <laughs> yeah, I need that. This one right here, not help me Should be like, hmm, I hope he doesn't figure out that thing because I'll be able to get it later.
1: Yes, all right. So, you mentioned that this game is coming to Kickstarter, and can you tell us a little bit more when? Listeners should be watching for it, or anything they should know about the Kickstarter campaign.
2: Sure. So yeah, um, the Kickstarter is scheduled for January sixteenth. There's no, it's not really like a stretch goal campaign. It's going to kind of be all sort of upgraded from the get go. One thing that we're looking to do, and I think it's going to happen, is a kind of a deluxe upgrade. Those tiles. I was just talking about the the hacking tiles our punch board but we will be offering an add-on for metal tiles which will just make it look even more cool and futuristic and then i think it's scheduled to be delivered around July to backers so that it can be ready for gen con to release to the public
0: and this is this is one of those things where uh, I know there's a lot of concern out there in the gaming community about Kickstarter's and crowdfunding. What I can say about Thunderworks is they have an extremely proven track record and they are well-established in the industry for not only running these projects efficiently, but delivering real- on realistic timelines. When they say they're going to get it to you, it actually gets to you uh, roughly around the time frame, plus or minus global disasters pandemics or whatever you know changing up things drastically it will you know and he's when he says july it's it'll like it'll likely be in fact i remember i think it was what was it last year was it dawn of ulos or was it yeah one of them anyways i remember getting getting uh copies of games right on when they said last year for yeah it was dawn of ulos and then the uh role player adventures expansion so absolutely i'm super excited to get those and i believe there's a website right now for this game as well that folks can go to is that right yes that's right
2: uh so it's metrorunnergame.com it's got a splash page there you can enter your email to get notified about the kickstarter
0: Uh, i'm at the splash page right now looking at it yep and i already submitted my email a while ago so i'm definitely getting those notifications one of the things that i think's neat and and I see in the player count is it's one to five players here which means there's a solo play element as well i know this right. is uh, not something we plan to ask about but i know it's really important to keith to include solo play in all of his games and it's an important fe- feature of all of the titles from thunderworks but how is the solo play experience with metro runner
2: sure yeah so it's my first published game it's also my first solo design for a game and it's essentially, I toyed around with a, a couple different versions, trying to come up with a sort of AI system that would, you know, fight back against you. And what I ended up settling on is more of a try to try to get a high score sort of situation. And I think it works in this case. Basically, it's called the rogue AI solo variant. So the, you're going up against this rogue AI who's... Trying to uh, who you know the corporations have sent out after you to try and uh, stop your uprising sort of thing, and so they, in addition to kind of messing with the systems in a way that mimic uh, having another player or two at the board at the table, they also have two tokens on the board that are just there to block your movement and take spaces from you. So it really kind of ends up just feeling like the multiplayer game and we've seen through play testing that like it's a really good test your skills system and that the first time you play it you're probably not going to do all that great but you can you can get better and uh and you can try and you know max out that score so
0: that sounds great and I, well i'm not a big solo player solo gamer myself i know suzanne absolutely oh, loves yeah. it and will almost for be sitting down with this one when she has her copy and playing it not only solo but to learn new strategies to defeat me uh, but also <laughs> will be enjoying playing it, uh, playing her copy as well so, so excited for it. So I think that covers Metro Runner, where, where does the world, where, what's next? What's, what's the next thing that's on the horizon for you? What are you allowed to tell us?
2: <laughs> I can tell you anything. I don't have any other games signed currently, so <laughs> there's nothing there's no one keeping me from talking. Um, I've got a, a new design that I'm I'm pretty happy with at this point. I just took it to Protospiel Madison a couple weekends ago, and it's basically a tiling game with a haunted house theme, building your own haunted house. And that's that's like the haunted houses where you go as as entertainment, and people will jump out and scare you. Not a actual haunted house with ghosts. And so it's just kind of a competitive who can build the best haunted house. Uh, and that, that one's pretty fun. fun. It's I learned from my Metro Runner experience in that uh it's not nearly as complex as Metro Runner, so the iteration process has been a little easier, and I've been able to get it to a much more close to finished state. Much more quickly than <laughs> the Metro Runner took me, so yeah, that one I think is getting into shape where I want to start maybe showing it to publishers soon. Uh, other than that, I just have you know lots of graphic design projects on the, the docket, and that's keeping me plenty busy. And you know, our next couple games for Thunderworks, for example, I'm also working a lot with uh, Pencil First Games. They're like one of my other main clients and so yeah just keeping busy and then i've got a, i've got all these old game design ideas that i need to revisit and and uh, and figure out what would be my next thing after that so
0: haunted house theme tile layer sign me up I, I, <laughs> we were at proto we were at protospiel madison and we missed it so now oh, i'm jealous I mean, and i, I was only there
2: to... yeah i was only there one day so i'm sorry i missed you
0: we were there Friday and Saturday, but we weren't there for very long on Saturday.
2: Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. So. It was yeah, it was time. our Next first
1: time. venture there. Yep. Definitely. It's uh so yeah, it sounds like you've got some great and unique ideas and your games are, you know, this haunted house game seems very different than your Metro Runner game, like, you know, theme and uh just mechanics and everything. So I'm excited. Yeah to see what happens with that.
2: Oh, thank you. I uh, hope, hope something happens with it too.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we always love spooky games here.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you want more information about the Metro runner game or anything Thunderworks, you can uh, hop on over to metrorunnergame.com or Thunderworks, ThunderworksGames.com, I believe it is. And check out anything from the Great Thunderworks uh, Library. If you enjoyed listening to us, talk about talk to Stephen. Let us know. Drop us uh, an email. We'll you know we'll share the feedback. And uh, of course, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time with us to talk to us about Metro Runner. We're so excited to see this game and and we're so excited for you as a designer to be able to get your first game out there. We talk to a lot of first time publishers that end up taking on, trying to self-publish their first titles because it's so hard to break in and with an established publisher, you know, things worked out for you so well so we're so fortunate for you that, you know, it's, that it's coming to fruition and we're so excited to have a our copy of this game. We can't wait. We're really like I said, it's been a year we've been waiting for it. We've been talking about it for quite a while, so it's it's we're really excited for this one and and everyone else should should be as well. So Make sure you back this one. I think it's going to be an amazing game and one that we really recommend. Get those credit cards out and your Kickstarter. Be aware on Kickstarter when you're on uh, January 16th and uh, uh, with a realistic 2024 delivery date. So you'll actually be able to play the game in the same year you backed it.
2: Uh, and yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was, you know, this was a lot of fun. So glad to t- start talking about the game, and getting it out there for people.
0: Absolutely. So, and and any other time you want to come back on, the door is open. Excellent. Love to hear it. Thank you. All right. With that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at whiskodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site?
2: Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Whiskodice.com.
0: That's right. It's whiskodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.